So, wow. First of all, happy Easter. He is risen. Yes. He is risen, and that's why we're here. But uh, I have two things kind of going on in my mind right now. The first is uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus is still kind of working its way through my soul. I don't know if it's doing that with you or not. But um, the second is just reminding ourselves of what our past year has been like, especially our Sunday services. As you saw our speakers on Sunday, mostly only through online. And now this is our second Easter as we go into COVID. How have you managed that? How have you guys been doing? Because that first Easter, we talked about the angel. The angel at the grave when Jesus rose from the dead who was sitting on the stone and the stone was rolled away. And as people came um, to the grave and they saw that it was empty, first the women and then the disciples, everybody had questions and they had fears and they were wondering. And it was all uncharted territory, just like it was in COVID. And to them, the first words, the first words out of the angel's mouth was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. How did you guys do with that this last year? How was your fear trust level in these last 12 months? And if you're online, you can probably drop in a thumbs up or a thumbs down in the chat to answer that question. But how did you do? Because now it's a year later and we have weathered a lot and we have a vaccine and I think there's the light at the end of the tunnel is starting to look a little brighter, but we're still struggling and we lost friends and family along the way. And of course, our heartfelt condolences goes out to anyone uh, who lost family members to COVID. And what I want to say to us is that the resurrection is still the same today as it was last year. And the hope that comes from that resurrection that Jesus walked out of the grave is the same that it was last year and the thousands of years before that because the hope that Jesus created when he walked out of that grave still exists. And it became the foundation for everything that we know as of as a church. It became the foundation of everything that the first century church built on and suffered through persecution. And it became the foundation of everything that was written in the New Testament, most of which was written by Paul. And I want to read one of the passages where that hope and the hope of the resurrection comes through the most clearly. And it's a longer passage. Uh, it's from Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read half the chapter. So it starts in verse 18. And goes to the end and says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit 
helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or your nakedness or danger or sword or even COVID? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a powerful passage. And it's actually sometimes, I think, been misused. But I want us to spend some time in that this morning as we celebrate the greatest thing that ever happened for the Christian church, which is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, that he lives today. And I think basically it's trying to tell us three things. It's trying to tell us that we have hope in Christ because of the resurrection. And that hope will get us through loss, can bring gain out of hurt, and always gives us something greater to live for. That hope gets us through loss, can bring pain out of hurt, and always gives us something greater to live for. First, that hope can get us through loss. Listen to verse 18 again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that is a truth. That is a truth that we have to let settle into our minds and hearts. That even though we're not there yet, what we're going through now can't compare, in Paul's words, to what we have ahead of us. And we might be suffering for many years here. But there's still years compared to the eternity in a glorious body in the presence of Christ with no pain and only joy that we face in the future. And by the way, this is not a pastor like me sitting up here and saying, well, that's what the Bible says, so you have to believe it. The man who wrote this suffered tremendously, was suffering even while he was writing this. He was in prison. He suffered beatings. He suffered persecution. He suffered shipwrecks, hunger, homelessness. And finally, he suffered execution for his faith. This is not theory. This is experience of Paul as he wrote these words. This is the ultimate victory. In fact, Scripture says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. It says it in this passage. It says it even more deeply 
in 1 Corinthians 15 where it explains it in clear language. But what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus was the first fruits? It doesn't mean that he was the first to rise from the dead, right? Because we had lots of people that even Jesus himself brought back from the dead uh, before he died, so it can't mean that. They died again. What it means is that he was the first to be risen from the dead with a glorified body that was perfect, that never had to die again, that would never feel pain, that now is up at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he has it for eternity. And he is the first fruits of what is coming to us. And that's a great hope. But this hope of the resurrection is not just about, gee, if I have a horrible life here, at least I have a nice life coming ahead of me. It's not just about, it is that. That's what he's saying here. But it's not just about that because he also says this in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we have that in the future, we also have the knowledge that God is for us right now. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we may be going through pain and hurt and loss and suffering at this point, but we have now God present in our lives. This is for the here and now because God is present with us here and now. Even in the midst of pain and suffering, we have this hope. Now, I've had some struggles this past year myself. And most of you know about them, but I suppose some of you don't. Um, I didn't lose any family members, which has to be extremely tough to COVID. But both professionally and personally, I had struggles in my life. And when I say professionally, I mean as a pastor of PAC. I had these two areas where I was really struggling. Because first of all, I'm the lead pastor of PAC, and I was deeply concerned about PAC. When this thing hit, and then we went into lockdown, I said to myself, how can we continue? Will the church even survive this? If we can't gather, I mean, it's one thing if we can't even have contact, but can we even care for people when you can't have contact for them? And what are we going to do? How can a church be a church without that personal contact? How long can we do this? Normal church work had to be put aside, and we had to rethink everything. I had that great concern and didn't know exactly where to go at the beginning of this. And then in the midst of that, I started having some physical symptoms. So my ear got stuffed up, and, it, you know, it's like I had water in it, and I couldn't get it out. And then finally, you know, it was bothering my hearing, so I went to the doctor, and they figured I had an ear infection, so they treated it for an ear infection, and that didn't clear it up, so they tried a couple other things, and finally they took an MRI and found a tumor. And, you know, when they say you have a brain tumor, um, there's a bit of fear that creeps into your life immediately, but when they also tell you it's benign, that's a huge word, okay? That's a huge word that came with this whole prognosis, right? But I still had to have brain surgery where they would go into my skull and cut out this tumor. And um, if any of you know me well, um, you would know that I dread doctors and needles and blood, and hospitals. You know, somebody tries to give me an IV, they're going to walk away with a black eye, right? I mean, I, this, I just dread all this stuff, and now here I am facing brain surgery? So what happened? Well, first, 
as a pastor, I had to hand everything over to other people. I could do absolutely nothing. I could only sit by and watch while everyone else ran the church. Um, and I watched as creativity abounded. And we were able to do so many things um, as a church during this time, especially with our kids and with our youth. And I wondered, how can we ever do that with just online services? But that sort of came into place. And then we put a phone team together to at least keep in touch regularly with some more of our older members who might be facing some real struggles during this COVID area. Um, and I watched everyone get together um, both P, uh, staff as well as members to make all this work. And I just said to myself, do not be afraid. I can let this go. Do not be afraid. And then as far as the brain surgery, it's amazing the calm I had even all the way up to the surgery. Even the night before, I was nervous, but I slept okay. And of course, the surgery itself is the easiest thing in the world because they administer anesthesia, you know, and and you're, they're giving it to you, and you and I didn't give anybody a black eye, by the way, when they started sticking the needles in me. And, uh, you know, you think you're just blinking, and your eyes go shut, and then your eyes open, and you go, I'm in the recovery room, right? So the surgery was no problem at all, but it was just waking up in the recovery room and in this horrible no-man's land of vertigo and pain and drugs to keep the pain and the vertigo in control. I had one thought. My first thought was, oh, I'm in recovery. It's over, and the tumor's not in here anymore. The tumor's in a garbage can somewhere, right? But it's not in here anymore. And I said to myself, I thank God that he was present in that room, and I said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And recovery was pretty intense, because I did suffer loss. I mean, I, I suffered loss of my balance. And so, I mean, at first I couldn't even stand up without a person on each side of me um, holding me up. Um, I also suffered total loss of hearing in my right ear, which I still, I'm not going to get that back. I'm working on my balance. But so all of that was tough on me this year. But all of that, through all of that, I kept saying, but God is with me. God is with me, and I don't have to be afraid. And I can say with Paul, even in this verse, I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord because hope gets us through loss. And I experienced that this year. And hope also can bring gain out of hurt. I want to read this section. Um, it's a powerful section, and sometimes I think it gets misinterpreted. Likewise, the Spirit helps us, it says in verse 26, in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I think sometimes that last verse gets misused sometimes, and that's what I mean by this. But I think basically, let's spend some time in this passage because this, this part of Romans 8, and still all based on the hope that Jesus gives us from what we celebrate today, him walking out of that grave, that we have a living Lord and that we have an eternal future. 
I think it's saying three things to us. I think it tells us that the Spirit helps us when we are weak. I think it says that the Spirit prays for us according to God's will. And I think it's telling us that the promise that all things work together for good for those who follow Jesus. And let me talk you through these very quickly. The first one, up on the screen, and for those of you watching, it should be on your screen as well. Um, the first one is clear. The Spirit helps us when we are weak. We have God as our helper. I had God as my helper when I was at my weakest. I knew I wasn't there alone. I have God as my helper, and that's a huge lift. But the second one intrigues me because it says the Spirit prays for us according to God's will, that even while he's with me, he's also praying to God the Father according to God's will. Now, I pray a lot. And there's sometimes I pray exactly according to what God is telling us. I know it's God's will because I've seen it in the black and white in Scripture or God has confirmed it to me in another way. But there are many times that I'm praying, and I don't know if it's the Lord's will. I'm just praying. I'm hoping this is the Lord's will, right? But not the Spirit. The Spirit always prays for me to God the Father according to God's will. And then, of course, the promise that all things work together for good for those who are following Jesus. That's a tremendous promise. Now, I think we can understand what it is saying if we understand what it's not saying. It's not saying that all things are good that happen to those. It's saying all things work together for good. That somehow God is in the midst of this to take the good and the bad things that happen to me and turn it into overall good for me as we move forward on this journey together. I mean, a brain tumor isn't good. Losing your hearing isn't good. But God's going to put that in the same package of everything else that happens in my life. And the whole process of it turns out for good. And I saw this in my life this year, right? Remember my two problems? Pastor problems and personal problems, right? The brain tumor. Well, I already mentioned that I sat by and did nothing while I watched a tremendous staff and incredibly committed volunteers completely rethink church and reinvent church very successfully that we were able to carry on. But we did more than just carry on. Here's the gain that happened when we were losing in COVID that I never expected because those of you who support this church continue to support us financially because I thought the COVID year is going to be a bad year for attendance, obviously, but it's also going to be a, a bad year for offerings, for just funds, and we have to figure out what we're going to cut back. But people kept supporting incredibly well, and you combine that with the fact that since we weren't meeting, we had way less facility expenses, and all of a sudden, a surplus started to happen. And then, wait for it, grab on your seats, the government paid us money. We got money from the government, the PPP loans, you know. We actually qualified for that. We got some money from the government, and they say it's a loan, but if you use it for specific things, it becomes a grant. We used it for those specific things, so we never had to pay it back. So the surplus became hundreds of thousands of dollars that we had never planned on. Now, we could have just sat back and said, whoa, when COVID is over, man, we're going to go. We got all kinds of money, right? 
But there was all kinds of issues during COVID that now we could respond to. So here at home, we expanded the pantry way bigger than it's ever been before. We paid off the medical debt of over a thousand different families. We worked in Trenton with the mayor's office for shortages that he had to help out in different areas. And then with our five partner countries, we had clumps of money <laughs> that we could dedicate to them for COVID relief needs that they had in their countries. It was a, that's gain that he brought out of laws. And then for me personally, my health, well, first of all, I had lots of time to think and pray because I couldn't do anything else, right? Um, and could see more clearly where God was taking us with the church, but also where he was taking me. But just personally, my faith came out of this hugely strengthened because here I was in a position where I couldn't depend on anything but God. I could not do anything about this. I had no idea if I would recover at all. I had no idea if I would come out of surgery, right? I mean, there's all kinds of questions in my mind. I had to trust him, and he came through. And you can imagine where my faith is right now. But also my prayer life, since there's nothing I could do except pray, I prayed way more than I normally did pre-COVID or pre-surgery, right? I was praying for families and kids and future and all kinds of things. And I don't want to, you know, I have to get back to work now a little bit at times I do recover. And uh, I can't spend all that time in prayer, but I'm not going to lose that. I'm not going to lose that passion and time and direction of prayer. That's the gain out of loss that God produced in my life. Can hope in Jesus bring out of gain? Well, I experienced it this year, both as a pastor and as a person facing surgery. Am I glad I had a tumor? No. Was the tumor itself a good thing? No. And I have repercussions that I'm going to have to live with because of that. But I did experience the promise that all things are working together for good, and I could see that. And I can even say that what I lost was worth what I gained. Now, let me put a caveat here in here. So I'm not sure we always get to see the good that happens in our life, especially when we're struggling. I don't know why he let me see it and experience it. I think part of it is just being close to him will help you to see it more. But I don't think the promise isn't that we'll see it, that we'll know it, that God is bringing all things together for good. The promise is that this is a hope. And in fact, Paul says there's a good chance you won't see it. And that's why he calls it a hope. And he writes this. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So I'm still waiting for some things with patience, but I thank God that I was able to see how he can bring gain even out of hurt. And then lastly, hope gives us something bigger to live for. Verse 32, he says this, he who did not spare his own son that's what we celebrated on Friday and Good Friday, the sacrifice of his son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So in this promise that, that God the Father is saying, hey, I gave you my son and now I'll give you everything else you need, he's also telling us and reminding us that it came at great cost for him. It came at great cost for him. And that's the something that we should live bigger for. We should live for him. Verses 37 to 39. Knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him. 
who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We live for something bigger than you and me. And we're given a chance to participate, to live for this Jesus. And it has a big ending that we look forward to as well. And I experienced this in my troubles this year. For the church, I was able to see all this we were doing, and it doesn't have to stop just because COVID does, right? We still can have a bigger outreach. We still can have a bigger impact on people. We still can have more people that we're influencing with the life of Jesus so that they can have this hope as well than we ever thought before. And for me personally, I have a more clear vision. I can't do all that I did before, right? But I'm not supposed to. I saw that I have people who can do this, all right? Everybody needs that humble lesson in learning that you're absolutely not necessary, right? <laughs> and so I heard God speak to me. He also told me what specifically I can do. So I may do fewer things, but I will do them better because they're fewer. And the church and the kingdom of God will be better blessed because of that. Because we all live for something greater called the kingdom of God. So this is actually an invitation an invitation for you to remember. Remember the hope that we have in Christ. Remember that this Easter we celebrate once a year, but this hope goes on. And it's an invitation for you not to be defined by fear, but rather to be defined by hope. And we celebrate the seal on that hope when we celebrate Jesus' rise from the dead. So, for those of you here, for those of you online, um, I would say this. If you're interested in learning more about Jesus, if you want to talk to someone, if you decided to follow Jesus, okay? I have three suggestions for you, okay? Three suggestions. The first is this. First of all, you can go to princetonalliance.org. That's our webpage, princetonalliance.org, slash hub, slash hub. And there you'll see something called a connection card. Fill it out. Let us know who you are so we can keep in contact with you. There's even a box there that says, I have decided to follow Jesus today. You can check that off. You can just tell us you want us to talk to us more about this. Just go to the hub and do that. The second thing you can do, and what we're beginning offering, is that um, we're going to be offering an online weekly get-together sort of Bible study discussion group called Alpha. Alpha course online, and this is specifically designed for any of you who have questions. And if you have a friend and you want to bring that friend who has questions, this is a great place to ask them. If you're a new believer, if you want to just check it out, then, then write us. Send us an email at alpha at princetonalliance.org, alpha at princetonalliance.org, and we'll tell you more information about that. And then thirdly, the third thing to do is for everybody whether you're a new believer, whether you're just checking us out and want to get involved, whether you're someone who's been here for ages, live for something bigger than yourself. And if you want to do that specifically, then go to our website, princeonlines.org, and this time, slash serve. You'll see abundant opportunities on a drop-down menu of where you can serve. I want to pray for us briefly. I want to pray for us that we would remember the words of the angel, do not be afraid. Because this hope that Jesus created when he walked out of that grave 
It can get us through loss. It can bring gain out of hurt. And it always gives us something bigger to live for. Let me pray for you, and then I want to end up with worshiping. This shouldn't end up with just a prayer. I want us to worship together, so let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning that we've had together and look into your word and remember. And I personally want to thank you for all that you've done in my life for this past year. This hope is real. Sometimes we use that word hope for something that we're not sure is going to happen. We're just hoping it happens, but not this. This is based on something that happened, and we have testimony, and we have our own experiences, and we've seen it to be real, and we know it to be real, that Jesus rose from the dead, and that's what we celebrate today. But that has an effect on us. Yes, it gives us a life in the future that's different from this life that lasts for eternity, and we praise you for that. But it also means that the God who lives, the Jesus who rose, is here with us here and now, here with us during loss to get us through it, Hearing with us, here with us during hurt and pain to bring gain out of those things. And here with us always to stand in front of us and giving something, give us something to live bigger for. So we praise you, Father, as we celebrate today the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope that is ours because of it. And I pray, Father, for any who may be thinking, searching, wondering, that they would connect with us that they would send us that email and that they would see that this is true in their lives as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.